Hello everyone and welcome back to today's episode on Movius Ministries podcast. This is your friend Josiah. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode. Um, Obviously we're coming up at the end of the year and I've been looking at um, the app that I use called Anchor that helps me um, upload all my all my sermons or any episode that I want to upload. It's been giving me some of my stats about kind of, you know, how many how many plays I've got and looking at this and looking at that. And I am planning on coming out with an episode, uh, Lord willing, by the end of the year, just about um, kind of like the way you guys have supported me, but also after that, you know, glorifying God to just see what he's continued to do with my ministry. I'm just really continuing to be uh, really humbled that the Lord continues to use me here on this podcast. Obviously, uh, we've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes, and uh, Lord willing, we're going to be getting into chapter 5 today. We did chapter 4 last week. Um, It's one of my favorite chapters. Uh, Chapter 2 is probably one of my other favorite chapters in um, in this book. Playing a different song in the background today. Um, uh, it's called all, um, it's called all power by Waldner worship. We've been listening to some more Waldner worship, but I wanted to switch it up a little bit and play something different. So this is season 26, episode 246. And here on Movius Ministries, I, with the help of the Holy Spirit, thank God, do my best to interpret scripture, uh, help you grow in your intimacy with the Lord, encourage you to remain steadfast through tough seasons and continue to be prepared for the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to, to put our hope in knowing that we have eternal life for those who trust in Christ. Um, and a trusting in Christ, should uh, the Holy Spirit changes you from the inside out and, and then you, turn, you, you have a desire to want to turn away from your sins. If you're new to my podcast or haven't been listening for some time now, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Over two years ago, coming up on three, you know, just like I said earlier, Lord willing, God told me to start this podcast and to start using the teaching gift that he's given me to equip the body of Christ. And I say it every week, but I mean it. My number one prayer would be that God's will is done in your life in today's episode. And if it is, if, if you have been doing God's will, I pray the Lord would give you assurance of wherever you're at in your, in your walk with Christ. Um, if you have any questions or comments about today's sermon, you can email me at josiahmovius12 at yahoo.com. Whether you know me or not, I am the Lord's servant. That's one of my, I, I try to pray that every day and say, Lord, I'm your servant. Do what you want with me. I, I really, if you want to reach out and you need help with anything at all, I'm here to help. I'm here to love. I'm here to encourage. I'm here to, to rebuke out of love when, 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 that, when that need needs to happen. Out of gentleness, I'm here to encourage and I'm here to equip. So the verse of the day is out of the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 3. So let me get that real quick. We're going to read it out of the Amplified Bible. Okay. Okay, here we go. Proverbs 16, 3. Commit your works to the Lord. Submit and trust them to him. And your plans will succeed if you respond to his will and guidance. I've seen this play out so many times in my life, even even when I didn't know this verse. And I've seen the same I, I've I've seen the same thing happen with um I believe it's Colossians 3.15. Um I'll read that verse real quick if I can find it. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. I've seen that verse even play out in my life before I even knew that verse, and it's really, um, I'm really encouraged by that, um, that just looking at how the Lord had so much grace, even in the midst of me struggling with, um, with vaping for a long time, um, just looking back, seeing God's grace there. So it's a really good verse, but here, um, where it says, commit your works to the Lord, the the word commit literally can mean roll, which is like, how do you kind of interpret that? So Lord, 
show us what that means. Holy Spirit, give us insight. In Jesus' name. I have something different to drink today. I had a great workout today. Um, I recently lost a ton of weight. If you guys remember the first picture that I had in my when I started this podcast, I was wearing a dress shirt, looking down at the Bible. Um, at that point, I was about 220 pounds. I went down to about 179, 176-ish. Then I gained about 10 more pounds. I'm trying to lose the little belly that I have by the wintertime, so that's my New Year's resolution. Um, so I had a great workout today. Um, and then came home and ate and I made a smoothie. So I have a smoothie in today's episode, just let you guys know. Um, but let's open in prayer and then we will dive into today's episode. Father, we thank you for your son. Lord, I, I truly do pray for the person that's listening and whatever they're going through, Lord, whether they're in a really good season or a really tough season, I just pray for insight. I pray you'd give them understanding. I pray against false teaching, Lord. You know it better than us. I pray that you would enlighten that to people who have been, um, who ha- who who has experience that and they may be confused about certain things Holy Spirit I pray that you would show them the truth thank you that you're so patient with us in our weaknesses in our brokenness in our sin help us to look to keep our eyes on Christ help us to, to look to him not to only just stay looking inwardly, but when we do that, that we would continue to look to your son, Father. We ask that you'd give us grace to do that and stand in awe of him. I pray you would change our motives uh, in our good works, that we would do it out of thankfulness for our salvation through your son instead of for our salvation. Father, I, even though I do have notes prepared, I, I do ask that you would anoint my lips, prepare my heart, and anything that I do say that is false, please show me, Lord, and show the person that's listening, but especially show me, Lord, because you know, Lord, I'll be quick to confess that and um, be open for correction. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who guides us and helps us in our weaknesses. And Lord, I I truly do pray that your will is done in this person's life that's listening. Wherever they're at, God, you know their name. You know what they're going through. If they need a gentle rebuke from you, let it be made known. If they need reassurance, show them that as well, Lord. Thank you for continuing to give me breath on my lungs, even though my days are numbered, and a platform to do my podcast, to instruct those who are not saved on how to be saved, and and for for those who are saved, how to respond to that. Enlighten your word to us, and give us understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Okay, when I had studied this book a while ago, I had been looking a little bit ahead past chapter five. Okay, because this book has 12 chapters. Because this book was really opening my mind. Um, That's why I had been looking ahead because I would look at a verse and I'm like, wow, and I would kind of look ahead and then look here and look there. It was opening my mind. And what I mean by opening my mind is just like I was getting so much more understanding, okay? In, I had my mind was being opened in ways I, I had never seen it do before. And of course, I truly believe that's being led by the Holy Spirit. And so my next note here says, it's cool to see the Holy Spirit do that. Um, he is the author behind that. But honestly, this is probably the most enlightening book 
I've read in scripture when looking at the at the pain of the world, the emptiness of living a life just for yourself and trusting um, and trusting God through seasons of confusion. I'll just go off note real quick. Um, over the last, uh, I'd say, week and a half, um, I have really. Uh, let me just. Um, I'm gonna. There's. There's a verse in Romans nine. Romans 9.2, Paul says that he had great sorrow and unceasing anguish in his heart. Now here he's talking about um, his people who were not saved. And he then gets into like chapter 10 and 11 about how that's going to happen. It, it's a, it's a, they're two really insightful chapters. But I have been feeling verse 2 recently over people who are not saved. Um, I've just, I, I've, I've seen little glimpses of like God's wrath happening when Christ comes back and I feel, uh, I, I can feel Paul's words where he says, there are some who reject the way of the cross and I write these things with tears. I, I think what he actually says is I often write to you these things with with tears that there are people who reject the cross and that's kind of how I've been feeling recently and um, really interceding for them and so this is a book that's even kind of um, layered other areas of sadness you know last week we read about the the oppression of of man and how there's the one who is being oppressed there's no one to comfort them and it's it it's it's heartbreaking so um, that's something I've been dealing with recently and just really praying for those. And I've been honestly, I'll, there's two kinds of prayers that I say. Like number one, I say, um, Lord, save those who are not saved. I say the same thing over those in my family. And then number two, you know, Jesus references uh, tares as people who were children of the devil and wheat as those who are children of God. It's, uh, I think it's like, I think it's Luke 16, or Luke, I think it's Luke chapter 8. Or I think it might be Matthew, Matthew 13. But anyway, one of my prayers is, Lord, change the tares into wheat. Meaning, like, take them from a child of the devil to the to, to a child of you. So, just to let you guys know, today we're going to be bringing out of the Amplified. And before we get into chapter 5, let's get back, uh, let's get back to context real quick. Because this is a continued thought from Solomon. Um, near the beginning of of chapter four, Solomon talked about seeing the sin of oppression. And I remember, you know, we just talked about this a little bit, but seeing the sin of, of the oppression of man and how it broke Solomon's heart in many ways. Near the end, he talked about um, who, who looks like the wise man and who looks like a fool. So the beginning was um, seeing the oppression of man and seeing that sin and the person who was being oppressed, there was no comforter for him. And then at the end, he talks about, you know, what does a wise man look like compared to a fool? And so here we go, starting in chapter 5, verse 1. The title here is, Your Attitude Toward God. Guard your steps. And verse 1, guard your steps and focus on what you are doing as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than offer the careless or irreverent sacrifice of fools. We see that word fools show up. We, you know, like I said, we see this same kind of dichotomy or this same kind of subject play out of what we see at the end of chapter four, um, comparing a wise man to a fool. To continue, for they are too ignorant to know they are doing evil. Verse two, do not be hasty with your mouth, speaking careless words or vows or impulsive in thought and bring up a matter before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For the dream comes through much effort and the voice of the fool through many words. 
a while ago I was at a pre-service, I, w- I was at a, a pre-service prayer at a youth group that I go to called Collective on Sunday nights. Many of you guys have heard me talk about it. If you ever want to come and you live here in Michigan, it's at Woodside Bible Church on Rochester Road in Troy. Um, again, that's start, it's uh, Sunday nights at 6. We just had our last service actually this last Sunday, so we won't be getting together um Let's see. The next time we'll be getting together is January 7th. Um, let's see where I let's see where I left off. Um, but back on this moment when we were doing pre-service prayer for for collective because I'm I'm on the I'm on the prayer team for collective. Back on October 1st of this year, my friend Emma who plays a great part in the body of Christ, led every one of us in the room in prayer and started with this verse, verse 1, Ecclesiastes 5.1. Emma's approach to how we did prayer was so humble, and I learned a lot from what she showed on display. And it wasn't like a, like a thing I didn't know, but I had seen certain people who would pray, and they would pray, and they would be quiet, and they would listen. And I saw that, and I was like, I think I want to try that. It just seems a lot more humble. It seems like it can help you trust God more in that moment. Um, now, just going back here, that I don't think that Solomon here is saying that we can't pour our hearts out to God in moments when we're dealing with a lot. Rather, Solomon here is talking about just, just saying a bunch of blah, 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 blah things to God without thinking. So um, you have to have the right balance there. Usually the person leading in prayer uh, here at Collective prays into a microphone, um, which I don't think is a sin or a bad thing. But sometimes when, you're, when you have a mic and, and you, you, you're in, in front of a group of people, you may get into an attitude that might not be godly or might be sinful. But it can be hard to not have that emotion. Sometimes you could also be nervous. But Emma started off with this verse and then we all prayed quietly. It was so humble. I thought I would start doing it uh, when I lead in prayer uh, the next time, Lord willing. I've led prayer a couple times, but um, I definitely thought about doing that. So, But we can do two cross-references here when we, when we think about these verses. Ecclesiastes 5, uh, 1 through 3. Matthew 6, 7 through 8 out of, the ESV, out of the ESV. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. That is so relieving. A lot of us think that we are heard by God when we say a lot of words. And it's not that if we do use a lot of words, he won't hear us, but rather Jesus is here in Matthew 6 examining the motive of the Gentiles' hearts. Verse 8, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Habakkuk 2.20 out of the ESV is one of the most interesting minor prophet books in the Old Testament, in my opinion. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. I mentioned this verse on a recent episode, uh, James 1.19, instead of the Amplified, it says, Understand this, my beloved, the, the Greek agapetos, which translates into worthy of love. My beloved brothers and sisters, let everyone be quick to hear, be a careful, thoughtful listener, slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words, and, excuse me, and slow to anger, patient, reflective, and forgiving. I love this from David Guzik, uh, where it says, um, he's, he's quoting the part where it says, Draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. The sacrifice of fools is the hasty speech mentioned in the next lines. Solomon counsels us to come to the house of God to hear more than to speak without thinking. I think, beloved, honestly for me, I'm just going to go off note real quick. And then we'll move on to verse 4, Lord willing. Um, I remember it was kind of, I didn't even think about it, but I remember in moments of prayer 
reason, uh, a while ago where I would, I would hear God more when I was silent. When I just sat there and I just listened. And it wasn't like a, like a, like, you know, you're, I'm driving one day and I, I like premeditated it. It was like, I just went into prayer and it just happened. And looking back, I can see it was the Lord really, it's nothing about anything I did. He planned that to happen from thousands of years ago. And he was teaching me something in that moment. Verse four, when you make a vow or a pledge to God, do not put off paying it. For God takes no pleasure in fools who thoughtlessly mock him. Pay what you vow. Now, regarding this verse, Jesus does tell us in Matthew 5.34 to not make vows to heaven, but rather let, let your yes be yes and your no be no. It's not a contradiction, but that when we, this is my interpretation of it, when we look at verse 4, it could just be a contextual practice at that time. For me personally, as we talk about using our words wisely before a holy God who, who bestows breath in our lungs as life, I've had moments of giving God ultimatums. For when I am in the middle of making a decision in either a big or a small situation. When I first started to do this, it was just before COVID came up. It was just before all the news came out and it was on the news and everything. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, get your toilet paper, you know. (laughs) Excuse me. Now, I did make a lot of impulsive claims of ultimatums but I, I didn't know what I, I didn't I didn't know what I was doing was wrong I was ignorant of knowing that just giving careless words to God like that was a sin um, I'm not lying right now I'm, I'm being honest and if if you have an issue with that I'm, I'm sorry I'm I'm telling the truth but once the Lord once the Lord eventually he shines some more light and understanding on it by showing me the scriptures I, I had I had not known, I started to give ultimatums a lot more carefully. I was very quick to go, okay, I can have certain ultimatums run through my mind, but I need to be careful about what I speak. I've had moments when I'm in my room kneeling down in a difficult situation um, where I need, to, I need to make a decision. Thinking of giving God an ultimatum and having many run through my mind but trying to discern which one is the best one to give, the most wise. Um, I've had moments where I open my heart to the Lord and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And the Lord's just been so patient in those moments. I'm so glad to say I've learned by God's grace and discipline how to offer him the right ultimatum. Now let me go off note again real quick. I have a friend of mine named Alec. Many of you guys have heard me mention him. Um, Really would appreciate your prayers for him. He's kind of in a in a tough season right now, um, and I've been walking with him and helping him, and it's really been an iron sharpening iron uh, relationship between the two of us. Um, he, I just lost my thought. Um, oh, he, he had he uh, he sent me an article about someone who wrote um, about like, is it okay to give God ultimatums? And a lot of the you'll 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 find the story. Of someone giving God an ultimatum, it's uh, Gideon in, I believe it's Judges chapter, yep, Judges chapter 6, verses 36 through 40. And the article I read was a little bit convincing, but beloved, I mean, I, I've I've given God ultimatums, and I've seen him answer. And I've, I've done what the scriptures say, to be careful about what I say before God. I'm not, a, I'm not saying that when I, when I was giving God ultimatums impulsively that it's okay. Now I know it was wrong. I was very quick to repent. And so now I'm now walking in that new wisdom. So I've had people, you know, I've told people I give God ultimatums and they they get very like, oh, and and I understand that. It it does seem like a very big thing, but I see God answer it in scripture and I've seen him answer it in, in my own life. So... You know, I could be wrong here, but I have a lot of evidence here that shows that it's okay. So to continue, verse 5, Solomon's continue to talk about a vow or a promise. Verse 5, it is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Now that's where we, you could understand Jesus' words a little bit more. Where he's like, don't even vow, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. 
Verse 6, do not allow your speech to cause you to sin. Now that's what I was doing when I was giving God ultimatums. But then when the Lord had shown me my sin, when he rebuked me in kindness, I said, thank you, Lord. I'll obey you. Thank you for showing me. Aren't you grateful that, that God continues to call you, to, to, to rebuke you? That's his love. You know, the Romans 1 says that he's given people up to a reprobate mind. Those who are ungenerate, those who live in habitual sin, those who don't know Christ. And that's heartbreaking. He doesn't discipline them. So, do not, do not allow your speech to cause you to sin. And do not say before the messenger, priest of God, that it was a mistake. Now, I think, you know, earlier I had stated that it was out of ignorance. I don't think, I don't think you can, I don't think it's, uh, it's right for me to say it was a mistake. It was, it really was out of ignorance. Why should God be angry because of your voice, your, your words and destroy the work of your hands? For in a multitude of dreams and in a flood of words, there is worthlessness now, verse 7, that, 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 that's just part of verse 7, but that's almost a requote of what he says at the end in verse 3, I believe. Yep. So I'm going to read verse 3 one more time, and it's kind of similar to verse 7. I'm going to read verse 3, and then right after, I'm going to read verse 7. Again, this is out of the Amplified. For the dream comes through much effort, and the voice of the fool through many words. Verse 7, for in a multitude of dreams and in a flood of words, there is worthlessness. It's kind of similar. Rather, reverently fear God and worship him with awe and awe-filled respect, knowing who he is. Verse 8, if you see the oppression, remember that word oppression, we're going to come back to that. You know, we saw that pop up last week. If you see the oppression of the poor, and the, and the denial of justice and righteousness in the providence, do not be shocked at the sight of corruption. For a higher official watches over another official. And there are higher ones over them, looking out for one another. After all, a king who cultivates the field is an advantage to the land. Going back where it says like, you know, there's this guy, there's a guy over this guy, and then, and then there's there's another guy, there's a higher one over that official. You would look at, you could look at it, you could look at this through the lens of a business. You have, you have a, you may have like an assistant manager, a manager, um, and then you could have a, uh, I'm trying to think, like a branch manager, and then you have your CEO. There's, there's different ranks. So we said we come back to this word oppression, where it says, if you see the oppression of the poor and the and the denial of justice and righteousness in the providence, do not be shocked at the sight of corruption. Why why shouldn't we be shocked? Because because there is a denial of justice. That's why we should be shocked. Because we want to see justice. But going back to the word oppression, it is not the same Hebrew word that we saw earlier. Uh, in chapter four, it's it's different. It's really interesting. Uh, David Guzik uh, says uh, on his part for the verse where it says, "For high official watches over high official, and higher officials are over him." Solomon has Solomon was especially aware of how um, bureaucracies can bring oppression. But I think these verses right here we just read, like it's. Just verses, just just these verses. Um, not not um, not verses five through seven, but verses eight and nine, where we see the oppression of the poor, and there's denial of justice in those moments, and righteousness in the providence or the state or the city, if you want to call it that. I, I think I think that's okay. It says, don't be shocked. There's higher officials, and they're over them, and they're over them, and this person's over this person. I think that these verses can speak to the wickedness of America. Honestly, wickedness in the lens of how America tries to stop sex trafficking, which is great. 
But if they keep allowing these sinful websites to continue, where people are constantly watching pornography, I honestly believe that would cause more repentance needed in America. Just think about like the irony of that, of how much America is against human trafficking, but half of those people that are in those pornography videos, they're being trafficked. You can read countless articles about this, beloved. We see Solomon take further thought into this act of oppression by man, like we read last week in chapter 4, beloved, in the lens of those, of, of those two are poor and demand justice and righteousness. The, the only reason why I wanted to highlight that particular sin, meaning chronography, or that, yeah, that exactly, was because sexual sin is so serious and it's affecting so much of today's mental health issues whether people will think it's okay or not. There's a sermon I recently read by or heard by John Piper and it really transformed, just just renewed my mind a lot um, in a very quick way. Paul says, when the person... It's a paraphrase of Romans 1. When a person sins, they know that it's wrong. And the fact they know it's wrong and they keep doing it, that's when God hands them over to a reprobate mind. And Paul says they have no right to say, I didn't know. No, you did know. And when God hands that person over, that's God's judgment. And so we can look at that in the lens of pornography. I I remember the first time I watched the very first inappropriate video and I, I knew there, there was something in me that, that did say, this is, I, I, this is not right. I shouldn't be looking at this. It wasn't even, it was just the slightest little thought, the slightest little feeling. And then I got hooked. And I, I this is, again, this is before I was born again. Before the Lord changed me from the inside out. And I was watching porn on average. Um... Uh, on average, like five times a day. It was that bad. Going on to, to continue here to start verse 10. The title here is the folly of riches. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its gain. This too is vanity, emptiness. Excuse me. When good things increase, those who consume them increase. Excuse me. Having like a mini hiccup. So what advantage is there to their owners except to see them with their eyes? The sleep of a working man is sweet, whether he gets little or much. But the full stomach greed of the witch, of, of the rich who hungers for even more will not let him sleep. Uh, 1 Kings 10.23 says, Thus uh, King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. With that being said, Solomon had experienced what was written in verse 10. Um, he who loves money will not be satisfied. And then he says at the end, it, it's vanity, it's emptiness. It won't satisfy. We, we've heard this, beloved. Where money can give temporary happiness. But it cannot... When you meet Jesus Christ, you meet something that never ends. I heard that from a, a uh, the American Gospel series, and um, I just was like, "Wow, that's really good." And I've just taken that with me. It was a, a guy. He was he was Indian. I forget his name, but he was a guy who had tons of money. He bought a bunch of sports cars. Very successful businessman. But he said, like, when I bought my new sports car, it just wore off. And it was on to the next. And then he said, when I met Jesus Christ, I met something that would never end. So going back to where it says, he who loves, that word loves, he who loves money. Um, I tried to look into the Hebrew for that word. Um, now the Hebrew there uh, is is, is uh, the three words put together, he who loves. It's one Hebrew word used there. I tried to see if it can have a greedy definition to it, but it didn't. Um, didn't have anything 
that I could really grab from grab from to uh, kind of teach from a little bit more. But I'm also thinking, what other way is there to love money and not be satisfied without being greedy? I'm going to say that one more time. What other way is there to love money and not be satisfied without being greedy? I, I don't see any other way. And if I'm wrong, Lord, show me. But it's something I'm still not sure how to define it. Now, at the same time, when I go back here, it does mention the person who is full of his stomach, which is greed. We, we see that here in the Amplified. So I just don't have anything concrete. Um, but going back to verse 13, I'm going to quote verse 13 real quick. And I have a, I have a note I want to share. I actually don't even have verse 13. Let me read verse 13 right here. There is a grievous evil, which I have seen under the sun, riches being kept and hoarded by their owner to his own misery. I'm going to read that one more time. This is so insightful. There is a grievous evil, which I have seen under the sun, riches being kept and hoarded by their owner to his own misery. When I look at this verse, I think of the greed of car dealerships or before uh, NIL, name, image, and likeness came uh, into uh, college football. Uh, football players being paid millions. Now, I'm not saying that those college football players should not be paid for work. The scriptures speak to the working man needing to be paid. That's that's. That needs to happen. But when it comes to people saying, I want X amount of money, where it's thousands or millions of dollars, and it being something way too much, it's wrong. But I also think of car dealerships where, um, you know, there's a psalm that talks about uh, who is the one who charges interest to the poor. And that's what banks do. Why? Because they trust in their money. And it's heartbreaking. They go, oh, you don't have a really good credit score? We're going to have to give you, you know, 20% interest. Sorry. Now, the ESV, going back to verse 13, where it says, there is a grievous evil. The ESV uses the same word there. Now, it's one Hebrew word. It's the word hala, hala. So you can, you know, spell that. And if you're taking notes, it's H-A-L-A, H-A-L-A. And it can translate into become weak, become sick, uh, deceased, grieved, or sorry. Think about that last one. That's how I feel. There is a sorry evil. I have one more, one more note that I want to say regarding this verse. I was celebrating my mom's birthday with some of my siblings. Uh, my siblings, Bella and Jamie. Um, we went to a really nice Mex Mexican restaurant called uh, Juan Blanca's in Clinton Township here in Michigan. And my mom was complaining about how my sister, Arabella, uh, wasn't going to be paid for the next uh, for the next little while because her work was paying bi-weekly. Many of you guys have, you know, gone through that trial where, you know, you're, you start a new job and, they go, oh, we pay bi-weekly and you got to wait three weeks. It's like, okay. I had stated that um, when my mom had said this, I responded and said the U.S. should make a law where employers must pay every week. The reason I share this story is because this verse shows the greed of corporate in your, in, in your, in your employment. Look at this. Riches being kept and hoarded by their owner. I think it can translate into that into someone who's the boss who would be willing to pay the payroll a little bit more money so that people can get paid every week. But what they say is we don't want to pay payroll extra money to do payday every week. But they go, me, I'm good financially, so I don't really need to worry about it. I don't, I don't need to get paid bi-weekly. I get a salary. James says to this as uh, as well, believe it or not, James 5, 1 through 3 out of the ESV, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. 
Verse 3, your gold and silver is corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. I, you know, when I hear employers say, even even if they try to argue that we don't have the money, I, 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 I do not, I do not believe that one bit. I don't. There, I just, the greed of man is normal for the unregenerated person. Their God is their belly, and they're living for themselves. To continue in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 14, For when those riches are lost in bad investments, and he becomes the father of a son, and then there, excuse me, I'm sorry, and then there is nothing in his hand for the support of the child. I don't think I read that right. Let me read that one more time, because 14 is one sentence. For when those riches are lost in bad investments and he becomes the father of a son, then there is nothing in his hand for the support of the child. Think about that. The father has all these riches and they're lost in bad investments. And then the son has nothing to support the child. Or the the dad has nothing to support the child. There are many scriptures in the Proverbs. You know this, beloved. And if you don't, well, here it is. That there is a blessing for those who leave an inheritance for their children's children. Verse, verse 15, As he came naked from his mother's womb, so he will return as he came. And he will take away nothing from all his labor that he can carry in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Not sure if that's the same uh, Hebrew word. I didn't really get into that. But this is also a grievous evil. Exactly as he was born, so he shall die. So what advantage has he who labors for the wind? All of his life he also eats in darkness, cheerlessly without sweetness and light, with great frustration, sickness, and anger. We're closing in here. So Solomon is here explaining these verses we just read, verses verses, uh, verses 14 through 17. He's explaining... The sin that comes after what is said in verse 13. Those who hoard their riches and being kept for themselves. Again, verse 16, I think we have to view it in the context of uh, the one who does not walk with God. Because for the one who walks with God and enjoys life by working, making money, eating and drinking can give thanks to the Lord. Verse 18, Behold, here is what I have seen to be good and fitting, to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the labor in which he labors under the sun during the few days of his life which God gives him. For this is his allotted reward. Allotted reward. Verse 19, Also every man to whom God has given riches and possessions, he has also given the power and ability to enjoy them and to receive this as his allotted portion and to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God to him. That is mine. I just, that's crazy to me. Sometimes that's God's purpose for people. That's the only purpose sometimes God has for people. And we have to trust him in that. Last verse, verse 20. For he will not often consider the troubled days of his life. Why? Because God keeps him occupied and focused on the joy of his heart. And the tranquility of God indwells him. He's focused on his riches. He's focused on his works. The Lord occupies him with other things. These three verses right here that we just read, verses 18, 19, and 20, are probably my favorite verses in the chapter. It just gives me so much more understanding about why, why certain people do things. It helps me understand life more. It it opens my mind up in a way that could only do so if I read read it read it here from Scripture rather than finding it out any other way. So here I have as we close Ecclesiastes five. My favorite verses are again here verses eighteen through twenty. They're so insightful. They just again I it just opens my mind to understand things more. 
Now, what did I personally learn um, in this chapter? I learned that when reading this chapter that uh, corporate greed is for real. <laughs> I found a verse that uh, really can back things up like that. I learned some more scriptures to go uh, when I think about this kind of a subject or when someone you know, might ask me a question about it. And uh, of course, I want to break down the context here. Uh, Solomon starts off in verses 1 through 7, watching how we pray to the Lord, being wise with our tongues. Verses 18 through 20 talk about all the follies of money. So for those of you that are listening on Spotify, I have a question and a poll for you that you can answer. I can share it next week uh, in, in that episode if we do that, Lord willing. My question is, according to verses 1 through 7, where it obviously talks about how to pray to the Lord. Have you seen a more humble approach of when you come to God? Have you seen your have you seen the Lord discipline you to approach him more humbly? It that took me a long time to, to learn. But the Lord in his kindness just gave me so much grace to do that. And then my poll you can answer just down just just down below that. Have you experienced the vanity of chasing money. Has that has the Lord shown you that? Even if it's just a little bit. You can answer yes, no, or just a little bit. Well, amen and amen, beloved. That is our sermon for Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the things that we can enjoy here on earth whether it's me watching the Lions on Sundays or a primetime game, playing video games, or even reading your word, Lord, enjoying reading your word. I pray that you would help us to enjoy life, but to not put our hope in this life, but in the life to come, Lord. Father, I do pray for those who who are born again and who who do, excuse me, listen to that, listen to this podcast that you would give them the assurance of eternal life, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you would enlighten that to us, give us joy in our hearts, knowing that there's a new world to come. Help us to love our lives in your will, but hate our lives outside of your will. Thank you for being the author of sanctification. Help us to not always only look inwardly but to look inwardly, pray, and look to your Son. Help us to do that, Father. Reveal your Son to us once again. I pray for whatever season this person's this person's in that's listening, Lord, and that you would, if they're grafted in your Son, you'd bring them assurance. You would give them wisdom about whatever situation they're in, Lord. You would speak to their hearts about whatever they need to hear. For those who feel lost or in darkness I thank you Lord that David experienced the same thing as well as many other authors that we read in the book of Psalms we thank you for your kindness we thank you for your son that you sent him to die for our sins and that all those who put their trust and confident hope in him are saved from the wrath to come. Jesus, thank you that you save us from the wrath to come. You seal us with a mark that says the wrath of my Father is outside of you. Give us that assurance, Holy Spirit. Help us to continue to walk hand in hand with you throughout the week. Use us how how you want. We are your servants. Help us to equip the body and help us to approach you more appropriately in prayer. We would continue to cast our anxieties on you as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, beloved. Uh, next week, Lord willing, we'll be getting into Ecclesiastes chapter uh, 6. Let's see here. We've got, it's only, it's only 12 verses, so it's not that long. I know today was close to an hour, but... Uh, that's my podcast for you. Um, trying to give you guys any other updates. I did just get a new job. Um, school as of right now is on hold. I'm going to try and start. Um, I would really appreciate your prayers. I would love it if I could get into OU, uh, come, come the fall time. So I would appreciate your prayers in that. Um, 
my singleness battles still been kind of back and forth, but um, spiritual warfare has kind of been up and down, but the Lord's really uh, helped me in those moments to, to gain assurance and, and, and to use the sword of the Spirit. Um, I've been experiencing more renewing in my mind when I use the sword of the Spirit in moments of spiritual warfare. Um, just going through that, you know, that long series here when we talked about knowing your identity in Christ and we talked about knowing that through warfare, um, I've just been putting things into practice, uh, that help me use the sword of the spirit in moments of warfare. And it's, they're, they're just tiny little glimpses of renewing. I, 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 you know, we, we're out here and and we want to have this crazy experience with God and that's awesome. But a lot of the times, not all the time. But a lot of the times in my experience, I see God do a slow renewing in our minds. Number one, it keeps us humble. Number two, it causes us to lean more on Him. That's one thing the Lord's been really showing me recently is how dependent I am on Him. That has been my one of my, one of my prayers the last few days like lord oh my gosh i am so dependent on you it is ridiculous and not like i mean like ridiculous in like a like a good way not like a prideful way um so um i plan on coming out sometime soon about the about the the numbers that you guys have blessed me with on my podcast see what the lord has continued to do um i i know at the end of uh the end of last year i talked about um some prophetic words that I have received from the Lord. Um, there are a few that I do think I'm going to have to repent from. If th- I, I think there might have been a few that were wrong. Um, but I only have two words coming into this new year. Um, and so, Lord willing, I'm going to try and come up with an episode about that separately. And uh, yeah. Beloved, thank you so much for listening to today's episode as we continued our study in the book of Ecclesiastes looking at chapter 5. This is your friend Josiah. God loves you.